All right, Clint from the Doorway 2, hanging out with Graham uh, from multiple projects that we're going to talk about. And so uh, uh, I, the main one we're going to talk about, though, I think it's Repo. I think you're right. All right. <laughs> I just want to make sure. And then we're going to talk about another one, which is collapse culture a bit as well, too. But I kind of really want to just say, let's start from the beginning, because I want to know how a guy from a crusty, noisy punk rock band like Bleach Everything comes to electronic music. I mean, I've loved it for a long time. I've loved ambient music since I was a kid. Um, and I've wanted to make it for a long time. I mean, I've done some kind of more experimental projects, but they were still guitar-based. But I just kind of realized the past couple of years the technology got so cheap, so affordable, and so accessible that there is no reason for me not to. I mean, I've loved a lot of different electronic music for a long time. And it just it just kind of seemed dumb not to indulge it. I get it. Dude. I, I play in a doom death band and I make industrial electronic music. At yeah, my exactly. I completely get it. But uh, uh, so as far as the other project, you're either in or were in U.S. Christmas, right? Uh, currently, yeah. In the current iteration of U.S. Christmas. Yeah. So that's kind of an experimental, psychedelic kind of rock. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I dig them. So like, that's cool. Um, and uh, I can see how that kind of progresses from the bleach everything to that to where we are now. So the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is, is more about a repo because that's kind of like the the record that I really love. Oh, cool. And, uh, uh, it kind of reminds me of if a composer back from the 17th century found electronic music. Like that's <laughs> like the best way I can kind of explain. Um, well, thanks. That's the nicest thing anyone said about it so far. Cool. Well, yeah, because it's like electronic composer music. Like when you listen to it, there's like soundscape elements, there's drifts, there's drones, there's like electroacoustic moments even mm -hmm. like uh, that are really like there. And then there's these like bursts and moments of kind of cinematic uh, electronic elements. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like it goes all over the place, but it kind of flows in this really interesting way. Did you always have this idea or was this just random thoughts put together to make a record? It was kind of, well, I made it with Ryan Parrish, who also plays in Bleach Everything with me, along with a lot of other bands he does. Um, and we played in a couple bands before and we have this shared interest in just like really spacey, really out there music. And so the last time I was staying with him when I was in Richmond working on a Bleach record, uh, we had one of our all night stay up and drink and listen to the weird music that nobody else in our life likes marathons. And I started playing him a couple little snippets of things that I'd been doing that I kind of wanted to do something that was like a mixture of like, like Will Oldham and the songs Ohio, but like experimental and electronic, like with the acoustic elements. Cause I'd never really done, I'd done a non-acoustic music or I'd done acoustic music and electronic music. And I'd never tried to combine the two. Um, and so I started sending him stuff back and forth and we started, sort of started getting that ball rolling and then COVID happened and quarantine happened and we both found ourselves with a lot of time on our hands. That's also when the Collapse Culture album was made. Like that was all done in a month or two, um, just cause there was nothing else to do. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So I kind of like the two records. I would kind of say ebb and flow with each other. They're just different variations of a very kind of similar feeling to me. 
Uh, one is more just more rhythmic and ethno, where Arepo is more cinematic and soundscapey. If, if I can, like, you know, mm-hmm. say like, the two sounds I hear. Um, you remind me a lot of stuff. Now, I'm going to be digging into my old ambient world. So, like, you remind me a lot of, like, stuff that was on, like, Hypnos and Solar Moon and, like, mm-hmm. like Manifold labels. So, a lot of the... And, and I, this may be bad terminology for you, but it's what I hear. So, I hear a lot of, like, like glitchy kind of, like, early electronic trip-hop stuff mixed in with all of it. Um, and almost to a place where, like, if I was going to name artists... I'd say like, you know, like Bill Laswell or like Steve Roach or like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Robert Rich, like things mm-hmm. like that, like soundscape composers. Like that's really why I said what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually just listening to Robert Rich when I went to sleep last night. But um, Collapse Culture, especially the Bill Laswell thing was a big, big thing because, you know, I wrote most of the first album as a solo project by myself, but I didn't really like the bass stuff I was doing. And Ian Miller, who played bass on it, you know, he's always collaborating. He has so many projects, but when I sent him the tracks to play on him, I specifically told him to do a Bill Laswell impression on it. <laughs> you can hear it. That's why I'm saying yeah. like, Oh, he knocked it out of the park. He's, he's yeah. great. Yeah. There's there, you know, there is a homage to it, which is beautiful. Like, and that kind of stuff I love because a lot of people aren't doing that anymore. Like Mm -hmm. the, the electronic music or ambient music you hear is super minimalist or very avant-garde lately. And it's not just like great cinematic electronic music. And I, and and I, I miss that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the cinematic thing is, you know, I try anything I listen to just in my everyday life, I'm trying to create a soundtrack for that moment, trying to choose a soundtrack for that moment as if, as if I were in a movie and you know, the the albums that attract me the most are the ones that, that can build that mood. It doesn't really matter what genre it is. I listen to all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and that's really important to me is the sustenance of a mood throughout the whole thing. It doesn't all have to sound the same, but it all has to have kind of it has to build a world that you live in for a little while. Uh, and that's that's hard. It's hard to do it in a way where there's variation enough that it stays interesting. And I that that was kind of the key with both of those records. I tried to make them uh, a world you could live in for a little while, but it didn't just get all sound the same after a while. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about collapse culture just for a minute, because <laughs> it, it like you kind of brought me off into that with what you were just talking about. So the difference on collapse culture to me is there's a lot of ethno and tribal kind of elements in it to me. Like you may not hear it, but to me, it reminds me of a lot of like the more like Shinjinku thief kind of like Mm -hmm. moments where you can hear Eastern elements. You can hear those odd rhythms. Uh, You can actually hear kind of like, you know, funny that you're wearing a slow dive t-shirt, but you can hear slow dive elements in that Mm -hmm. uh, just because of the way the rhythms flow. Was that definitely written with a more rhythmic kind of, you know, post kind of element vibe to it? Kind of. I mean, like, you know, the whole project was kind of me being really into things like burial, but also a lot of old dub stuff. There's a big trying to trying to incorporate the dub element in a way that's not like derivative, like not just trying to be reggae or whatever, but like dub as more of a concept 
um, you know, a technique, a methodology, um, and and what you mentioned with the different rhythmic elements. You know, polyrhythms are all part of that, and uh, very little of that project, apart from what I just said, was really like conceived of in advance. I'm not super knowledgeable about how to make electronic music. I, I have taught myself everything I know, and I don't really know the, the right way to do it. And so most of what you're hearing was not really, not really, I wasn't really conceiving of exactly what I wanted it to sound like. A lot of it's done by accident, but I like the element of chance. You know, I was really influenced by the ideas of people like John Cage that are just so indeterminate and chance-based. And it's so interesting to me to be able to do that with a machine. You know, so much of electronic music is very quantized. It's on the beat exactly it's precise it's perfect it's clean and that's fine but i just don't make perfect clean music and so allowing for these elements of chance and indeterminacy to factor in it kept it interesting for me it didn't just feel like plugging stuff in on a screen yeah awesome and that's kind of the electronic or experimental music that I thoroughly enjoy are the ones that kind of fly by the seat of their pants. And mm -hmm. you know that they threw a whole bunch of things together, worked on it for a really long time to a point of madness, and then said, ah, this is as good as it's going to get in this I'm happy <laughs> right now. Because I do the same shit. Like, I'm totally with you on the same thing. Like, I will layer 9, 15, 30 different things. I'll take eight of them out, and then I'll realize those eight things never needed to be there to begin right. with to get a great record. That's what I kind of hear with these two records are uh, a bunch of guys just making sounds that they love and trying to, like, bring back that. And, and I... I'm 48, okay? So I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not a kid at all. Like, I miss those old, eight, like, late 80s, early 90s industrial days, like, where mm. people weren't afraid to try new and different things. And both these projects kind of remind me of that. Um, if you were to, like, separate the two of them, so Collapse Culture and Arepo, what would you say are the defining differences between the two records? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I think that um, the Arepo album is more of kind of an unconstrained expression. You know, the, Ryan and I have played in several bands together, and every time we do, there's this idea of what we're going to do and what it's going to sound like and what our approach is going to be. But with this one, it was just kind of no constraints placed upon it, no real no real serious direction that we were going to take it in, just kind of just letting it go and letting it be what it was going to be. Um, I think that the Collapse Culture album was a little bit more kind of indicative of just kind of the general mood of, you know, a year ago. You know, it was just this kind of this uncertainty and this dread and this kind of just ambient fear. And... I think that that one specifically, because it was it was all recorded in April of 2020, I think that, you know, it was it was it's a more focused album. It's a more direct album, but it was kind of a way of just channeling the the uncertainty and the anxiety that a lot of people were experiencing a year ago. Cool. Yeah. And I, I would say the collapse culture is definitely uh, not that it that it. 
it's more of a frantic kind of feel. And, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I could definitely see where you're saying it, where the repo is more kind of structured in a non-structured kind of way. Like it, you could feel more layers and elements where the glitchy and the rhythmic elements kind of do give that frantic side for, for collapse culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a specific band that when I listen to both these records come to my mind and I want to see if you, if you have any love of it, if you don't, that's fine. Maybe it's just in my head and I hear it all the time, uh, but it's over. Like I love I, over. Yeah. So the, the over that I'm talking about is the more kind of the electronic, not where they become like the Pesh mode now, mm-hmm. but like that kind of like right after themes all the way up to like the blood inside periods, like where it's very kind of orchestral, almost to the point of not focused or controlled. And then like they go back and they have these layers that are just epic. And, uh, the strings on on both your records, just the way they're arranged, uh, just remind me a lot of that over period. So, get I, I I love over. I mean, over is my favorite black metal band, and they had the good sense to stop being a black metal band before they started making shitty black metal albums. Right. But they've done so many different things, and I love all of those things. Like the the stuff you mentioned is great um the albums they've done that are kind of more like free improvised live ones there's one that's just a string of letters i, I don't remember right. the letters and then uh drone activity that came out a year or two ago are just incredible they're so good but yeah i mean they they've done so many different things and they've never stood still and i respect anyone who just kind of does whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it regardless of whether anyone's going to like it or not right to me, they're like the most metal electronic band. That's oh, ever. absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because they keep those black metal elements in their music. And that's kind of what I was going to talk about with this is there is still, even though it's electronic music, there's a very kind of rock and roll vibe to especially collapse culture, in my opinion. Uh, so were you trying to keep those elements in it or did it just kind of happen with, with, uh, collapse culture? I, I think it just happens. I think it just happens with the stuff that, you know, Ian and I have made, you know, we are all doing this ourselves in our houses. It's, it's all DIY. It's all punk still, you know, and it's it, like, we came from that background and it's very hard to escape that when it's just so ingrained into what you do. I mean, for, for instance, for that album, you know, I had all the stuff I was working on and I didn't want to pay someone to mix it. So I just taught myself how to mix it. I didn't want to pay someone to master it. So I just taught myself how to master it. I don't want to pay someone for artwork. So I just did the artwork myself, you know, and it's just, if you're not from this background of doing things for yourself, Doing something like that sounds crazy, but like it's just kind of second nature once you've done it so long. And I think, you know, that that it would carry over into the music like what I was talking about earlier. Like, I don't really do perfect and clean music regardless of what I'm doing. Um, And I think that that I think that plays into what you're talking about, the kind of like rock and roll attitude of it. Cool. Um, So. I'm going to pick a song off of each record that particularly speaks to me. And I'd love you to talk about it a bit. I don't know if 
were the main focal writer. I don't know if it was you know, the, your partner doing it as well. Uh, but with a repo, uh, a personally, non-material is like mm -hmm. my, it's my favorite track. Um, and I think it's probably because it's the most acoustic electronic like that i can like mint like that i can feel on it and it has this cinematic feeling in the background like it's not up front so if you could talk about that song in particular how it was created a little bit about it i'd love to hear it all right that one was actually the absolute biggest nightmare on the entire album the, you notice that song, there's a bunch of very distinct chunks and pieces, especially the end. Like the last two or three minutes doesn't sound like anything in the rest of the song. That was an absolute nightmare to put together. Um, it, that's my favorite song on the album, too. Um, I, I don't really listen to a lot of movie soundtracks just apart from them, but we were watching Annihilation and some of the, the synth sounds, the musical cues they're using, not even songs, but just like some of the sounds they're using as musical cues. I was trying to kind of get that similar feeling that it's, you kind of recognize that it's music, but it's just so disorienting and strange that it's, it's kind of off putting. Um, but that, that one I, was my favorite as well. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can feel the annihilation vibe. That's a pretty, not to be un PC, but like that's a pretty clusterfuck of a movie. Like, <laughs> if you've read the book, you should read the books if you haven't. I have not, but I will. They're they're the the movie was good. The books are incredible. Nice. Awesome. Not to be not to be that guy. It's like who oh, the books are better, but the books are so good. That uh, happens a lot. That happens a lot. Um, so on the collapse culture, I am going to butcher this name, so it's fine. But I, I think it's Opraburum. Is that how you say it? Or uh, Opraburum. Yeah, uh, that song blows me away, and the reason why it does is because of the the glitchy kind of trippy kind of rhythmic elements that are in that song. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that. That one. That one actually started off the kind of like uh, spacey, beatless part at the beginning. It was originally going to be kind of more of an ambient interlude on the album with just that. But then, you know, I sort of started playing around with a couple things. You mentioned the noisy glitchiness, um, just a, a couple rhythmic ideas. And I just, it suited that particular vibe really well. Because that one's a little bit, that's probably the darkest song on the album. Uh, especially that beginning part, um, it, it gets kind of microtonal and very dark. And I kind of thought that like something a little grainier sounding would really convey that better than just leaving it as kind of a short interlude thing. Cool. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, so bo both the records are, uh, really do interest me. And I kind of want to ask a little bit because I see that you're they're both released. On, it's, it's Pax Eternum, right? They're correct, yes. Yeah, and that's uh, a, a label of the guy from Magic Bullet, right? Like, yeah, Brent. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and I, I just I, I know he's in Bleach everything as well too, but I'm just saying like, but uh, after that label folded, he's doing this, and he does another label as well too, right? Yeah, he he stopped doing Magic Bullet to kind of be a little more selective in the business practices and really focus on bands who are actively doing things. Um, that's, uh, dark operative and that's his main label that he does. And Pax Eternum is, a kind of a digital subsidiary for kind of more fringe artists, people who are doing interesting stuff, cool stuff to get it out there. But, you know, 
people who might not be active enough to warrant spending thousands of dollars pressing an album. Um, and I actually had was going to start a similar thing just for the multiple projects that I have. And I called Brent for advice because he and I are very old friends. And he instead just kind of brought me on to help curate the label. So I've kind of been involved with the process of helping get this stuff out there, finding some other things to put out. Um, it's been really interesting to, to have a hand in that as well. Cool. Well, I have this really weird connection to this, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about All this. All right. All right. Uh, so the band Five. Ben and I are longtime old school friends. He actually released one of my records on his Odd Halo label way oh, back, cool. way back in 2004. It's called Broken Hands for Brilliant Minds, and he actually put it out. So, like, when I saw that Ben was on the label, I was like, "Wow, there's like this weird connection." And I noticed this more and more with musicians that there's really, you know, how they say there's six degrees of separation. There's really only like two or three, yeah. in my opinion. Like, I can find like you and I probably have somebody we worked with together. If I jump two steps to the right, like, yeah, literally. I mean, music's a very, very small world, yeah. very small world. And it's, it, it doesn't seem like it, but the longer you're in it, the more you realize, you know, everyone. And that's just, it's always interesting to me as well, just to see, to see where that can lead. But, but yeah, it's very small world. Yeah, it's just funny to me. Like, you never think that, oh, well, oh, I know that person or I know that person. And now this all makes sense, like how this all melds together. So I wanted to ask a little bit about so because you're kind of curating the label, too, it's going to help me out a lot. Uh, is it digital only? Do you ever want to release like a physical release for this stuff? I, I don't know. I think if there was something that warranted it, it's it's possible. But. I, I kind of like keeping the keeping the overhead low so we can keep the pressure low and can focus on just finding the most interesting stuff possible without worrying about anything else. So how has the uh, feedback been for both the records? Have you gotten anything that's been mind blowing that like you were not ready for? Um, I think the Collapse Culture album was pretty well received. We got a lot of feedback from that. It was really good. We had a guy guy do a, a film, like a web series that used some of it. It was really cool. It was, it was very, very, really gratifying to see the response to that, especially because it was music that I've I've wanted to make for a long time, and I only finally did it. So it's nice to get feedback that was so positive about something that I'd been wanting to do for as long as I have. Arepo is a less accessible project. Um, and as such, there has not been quite as much feedback. The people who've heard it seem to like it a lot, but it's it's not one. I didn't necessarily expect that one to be quite as well-received just because it is a lot more abstract. It's a lot less based in conventional ideas of, of rhythm and structure and things like that. Um, the people who've heard it seem to like it. The couple reviews I've read have been pretty good, but you know, it's, that was going to be an off-putting album and I kind of was prepared for that going into it. Cool. Um, well, I guess I like the more unstructured outsider music. So you and me both. <laughs> so I'm glad we get to talk to each other. Um, would you want to do either one of these live at all? Is this something that you'd be interested in doing? I would love to, I just don't know how I would, um, most of what I've done has been kind of put together on a cheap 
laptop that's kind of falling apart and can barely stand up to the software. Um, so it would it would take figuring out how to do it. I mean, like like I said, I'm I'm new to making a lot of this type of stuff. So like the ins and outs of how to make this work in the real world are still something that's that I don't really know that much about. I would love to. I just don't necessarily know how. Oh, that's fair. Um, so are these going to be ongoing projects? Or are we going to see more releases by them? Or are they just one and done kind of thing? Oh, no. Uh, Collapse Culture has another LP and an EP almost done. Oh, okay. Arepo um, has another one underway that's going to be a little bit more of a collaborative project. We've got some other people involved. Um that's still kind of in the early stages, but we've definitely got some material. So, you know, and the, the, the thing, I love both of these groups and I love that I can kind of do them anytime. You know, the lack of constraints on di- distance wise, it's, it's really amazing. It's amazing to be able to do this. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and for a repo, Ryan lives in Richmond. Yeah. You know, I live in Asheville for Collapse Culture. Ian lives in Oakland. I've never actually met Ian in real life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but that we can put these projects together around our schedules whenever we have time, you know, I'll do them as long as I, as long as everyone's interested. Cause it's just, it's convenient. It's not like being in a band where you have to schedule a practice time and sit around in a room with four other dudes. You know, it just, it's, it, it works around life better than conventional band projects did. I mean, I, for a living, I, I work with toddlers. I work in a Montessori school with toddlers. And um, we have nap time every day from noon until just shy of 2 o'clock. I've just been bringing my laptop and my headphones in, and that's when I work on music. I take the time when the kids are asleep. And it's it's amazing to be able to do that. Like five or ten years ago, that would have been inconceivable to me. Yeah. You know? um, but there's just these new models for how you can make make things work make music and create and and it's it's really i think both of these projects are really indicative of that and i love that it gives the flexibility and the freedom to kind of just do whatever whenever cool you 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 make my heart proud on that because (laughs) i'm literally doing the same thing uh I, I have a project with a with a friend that I've never met in my life in Israel, and we record back and forth all the time, just sending files. And we're, we have a record coming out, and that would have never been possible if it wasn't for file sharing, sending back and forth, and you know, just happen to one day. And I mean, this is aging myself being on like a a message board, like a BBS board, and just kind of talking. And then the two of us kind of got together and realized we like the same stuff. Like why not try and like work together? So that's really nice that like all of us are kind of doing that similar, you know, mentality where like it, it, it could be two like-minded people 3000 miles apart and it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I, I think it, it's so easy to do and, and it's not just the ability to collaborate with people. It's the ability to hear, people you may never have heard something by you know there's been a lot of really incredible electronic music coming out of like north africa and the middle east you know tunisia and places like that you know that a a lot of sub-saharan africa there's this really fascinating music that's happening and a lot of it like these areas the technology was not as well distributed 
the the label infrastructure didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago, but now you don't have to have that. You can just make it on your phone and put it on the internet and someone a world away can be into it. And it's just so interesting to hear so many different viewpoints and so many different ideas. And it's, that's gratifying to me, just like being able to experience these, these things that you never would have experienced 20 years ago. Absolutely. Um, so now I'm going to pick your brain and make you kind of, uh, kind of answer some things for me because I I love it's part of it. So let's say you're in a record store and somebody just picks up the Arepo record and they look at you and they say, Hey, what do you think? What does this sound like? How would you describe that to them? Uh, I would say that it, I've I've used this description before, and I'll probably use it a lot of times in the remainder of my life. But I would say that it sounds like a junkyard at the end of the world. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to, to do have the same thing with collapse culture. If somebody asked you that, how would you describe that? Oh, that's that's tougher. Dance music you can't dance to. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I'm going to dig a little bit deeper on that. So dance music you can't dance to. What do you think gives it that that dance element to the music? Well, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to do with that album. I wanted to make a dance record. I like a lot of dancey electronic music. And that's definitely something I'd never, ever tried to touch before. Um, and, you know, it ended up being darker and weirder than expected and I mean, I guess you could maybe dance to it, but it just—I I don't know. I, 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 it, it missed, it missed the mark. It ended up on a different mark I like, but it missed the mark <laughs> I was shooting for. Cool. Well, that's what I was going to kind of talk about a little bit later on, but you kind of brought it in now, which is great. There are elements of that electro kind of dance punk vibes to it on on the collapse culture. Like, uh, I don't know if you like you seem to be very into electronic music. So I probably can talk about more underground stuff and you'll be understanding too, but like cop international, like there's a lot of stuff on this label out of Canada called cop international. That Mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of collapse culture. And what I mean by that is it kind of mixes the like Chicago kind of electro industrial scene of like the invisible records world. uh, But it adds more of that glitch and rhythmic kind of elements to and that's what like almost all these cop international bands are like. Uh, so imagine like you listen to like, uh, I don't know if you know who like Metropolis Records is, but like I'm they're, familiar. So they're like a they're like a Philly like dance industrial electronic label. Like everything is very like if Depeche Mode and like Leibach got together, oh, that's okay. that's kind of like what you would have. Like and that's what all their records are. But you're like the darker, darker, spookier side of that. So I like and but that's a good thing. Like, you know, like it's going to bring in a better, a broader, better audience to me. Like because I think metal kids could like this. Electronic kids could like this. Rhythmic kids could like this. You know, even maybe to a point of like where the darker hip hop kids could like it because there are those kind of electronic elements on this record. So you've kind of opened up the broadest base possible with collapse culture in my opinion so when you're saying that it is a lot more 
exposed and like you got a lot better reviews or more reviews, maybe not better reviews, but more reviews. I can see that. Where where do you see collapse culture? Because you said you have an EP and an LP already in the and probably in the can. Where is it going? Is it going into more of a glitchy electronic side or? You know, there's not really a, a set direction that, that we decided to take with it. So it, it the, a lot of the newer stuff is a little bit more polished, not necessarily like in a, a super slick way or anything like that, but it's, it's a little bit more focused. It's a little bit more, a, a little bit sparser. You know, the first album was me just throwing layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff and then burying it all in reverb. And this is me taking the lessons that I learned making that album and applying them to some new stuff and kind of just learning how to make the sounds better and more focused and less mushy sounding. You know, I, I like that recording of the first album, but like the the newer stuff is a little closer to my initial goal there's some actually kind of dancey parts on some of these songs it's still pretty dark it's still still pretty raw and spacey and experimental but like there's definitely a couple tracks that are like very deliberately dance music cool there's nothing wrong with that man like, yeah i mean i that that was the plan all along you know cool um so decision time for you because i always love to kind of when m artists have multiple projects, like let's say for the next year, you could only focus on either a repo or collapsed culture. Which one would you want to focus more on? Which one gives you more of what you need right now? Oh, wow. Awesome. I think that from a purely practical standpoint, I would probably focus on a repo just because collapse culture already has so much done okay and ready to go from an aesthetic standpoint oh lord i don't know that's that's a tough one i i don't i it, all my attention lately has been focused on my solo project which isn't even either of those things you've been talking about so gotcha. that that one is actually probably a little bit closer to to where my head is these days than either of those projects well cool not, not that i could choose um but that's cool so solo project, what is? What, yeah, what, what, I have I have a project called Interstitia. Okay. And we, I had one album come out a year or two ago that was kind of like, Cosmish Krautrock type stuff. Um, and I've kind of moved away from that into something that's like, it's like noisier and, almost dance music, but just like listening to, listening to a techno album that had been run over with a power sander <laughs> or something. It's, it's very noisy. Like it's pretty, it's very pretty and textural, but it's just shredded and blasted. And, um, there's kind of like these dance undertones to it, but it's, it's like, it's like 50% an ambient techno record and 50% like a psychedelic noise record. Um, and I've been really into that because it's just, that's just, swinging for the fences you know just trying to make the weirdest kind of most off-putting but most inviting thing i can um like it's not just like a noise record or something because I, I i don't want to listen to that personally and, I, and not a lot of other people do but it's also not just a pretty album because i can't just make pretty music it has to be kind of weird and 
off kilter somehow. So it's kind of in this nexus point, but I'm I'm pretty excited for people to hear it. I don't I don't think it's gonna go over too well with a lot of people, but I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Nice. See, and, and when I hear the word kraut rock, that's exactly what I think is what you just mentioned. So it's electronic rock music with dancey elements. Like that is exactly what kraut rock to me has always been. So I listen to can or things like that. Like that's what I hear. Like uh, take a take a Moog synthesizer, make it as rock and roll as possible and then add dance beats to it. Like and mm-hmm. that's that's awesome that you've like mentioned it exactly like that. Uh, I've never actually had anybody else in the world ever say it to me like that. So that that's pretty awesome. I just want to tell you. Nice. Um, yeah, very, very cool. Um, so I want to just talk about a repo for a minute about a cu- for, for a couple of reasons. Um, I think you're, 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 you're selling yourself short on that. People are not going to like that. People don't dig it. The problem with this kind of music, and I have the same problem, I've made ambient records where all of a sudden something sparks three years later. This is the kind of music that takes a very long time to get out to the, to the right people. Like you need somebody to listen to it and then, then they tell that right person and then they give it to that person. And I literally have records that I made five, ten years ago and all of a sudden they have a second life. I think this record could very much have the same thing simply because it is cinematic. It is dark. It is something that you could put on and just like kind of relax and listen to go into a whole new world. Like that's like, like I, 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 I just really don't want you to like sell it short. Like I want you to kind of like feel what I'm feeling on this. So. Well, you know, if I can't deprecate myself, then who can I deprecate, you know? But I, I hope you're right, and it's possible. And, you know, we are working on new stuff. You know, I, I think there's a better chance of it being heard if we, if we keep cranking material out, you know, and just keep keep the name out there. And, you know, some of the, you know we've got some, some friends contributing to this next album that are great. And then just... And, you know, like the second the, and third Collapse Culture records that I've worked on, I learned a lot of lessons making the first Arepo album. I, I, I learned a lot about how to process sound the way I want it. Um, and that's also going to come into play. So, you know, it's going to... I love the first album. I, I think it came out as well as it possibly could have under the circumstances. But I'm learning a lot. And I think the next one will be even better. You know, and it just... As long as I can make each subsequent release better than the previous one, I'll keep doing it. And, you know, if people catch on, they catch on. If they don't catch on, that's their loss. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, I caught on, and all I'm going to say is I definitely will, <laughs> I definitely will be listening to the, to the future releases. Um, I kind of have one last question for you, and it's okay. for both records. I do this on every interview, and I just love to be able to see what your thought process is. So let's say both these records were just completed. You, you've had them for like a week. Uh, if you could hand these two records to any artist and have them rework it in their vision, what artist would you want that to be and why? Whew, that's a tough one. I mean, I think uh, Collapse Culture, I think I'd say prob- probably an obvious choice would be Burial. 
because that was such a big influence on what I did. I tried so hard not to make that album sound like a burial album. I don't know that I necessarily succeeded, but probably him or maybe Bill Laswell, since he was such an integral part of the equation as well. There's probably some less obvious choices who could do something really interesting with it, but those were the two two biggest influences, musically speaking, on the record. Um, Arepo, that's another tricky one. That one, a lot of it was me trying to sound, me and Ryan trying to sound like Coil, but Coil couldn't really do anything with it these days. Um, so ah, that's a. That's a good question. You know, I, I think with that one, I would I would love to hear it in the hands of someone who could who could make it less abstract. OK. You know, because I, I, I think it's I, I like a lot of abstract, weird, experimental, whatever music. But sometimes I think the real subversive people are the ones who can take elements of that and put it into something accessible. Sure. You know, I think it's it's so much more. It's not always more interesting, but I do think it's more subversive to be able to get that element to more people. You know, so if you listen to like like Zola Jesus or something like that, I think that there are elements in her music that are maybe not a million miles removed from what the Arepo album had, except that it's in these really catchy, beautifully written songs. You know, so someone like that, maybe someone who could find some kernel at the heart of it and turn it into something that was completely unlike its original form. Cool. Um, I'm just going to give you my feedback on this too, because I always love to do this back to you guys. Like for the collapse culture, I'm going to be real honest. I really want to hear Cold Cave rework this record. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Because I think he could add that dancey element that you so desperately want. And that's kind of what Cold Cave is to me. It's right, like, right. It, it's an electronic dance record that's just pissed off. Like, you know, like that's yeah. kind of, uh, And then for Arepo, I'm telling you right now, um, I personally would hand it to Robert Rich and just okay. say, and I would just say, make this epic because that's what this is. This is an epic record. Uh, and I think he could add layers onto it that would add that spatial epic la- layers like no person could do it for you. So I, I do love his stuff. Like I said, I was listening to Stalker last night. That's um, awesome. Uh, yeah, I uh, many, many, many years ago got to go see one of his overnight dream, like, you know, sleep uh, uh, sessions. Oh, cool. Yeah, where we were there for like 27 hours straight <laughs> and he was performing and it was it was damn interesting. That's all. That's all. Yeah, gonna... that sounds intense. It was fun, man. I, yeah, I woke up. I uh, had some really interesting dreams afterwards. <laughs> uh, but I, I just really want to say thank you very much for doing this. This has been an absolute pleasure. Like, I love to be able to talk to people about less mainstream, typical music. Like, uh, I love to get this kind of stuff exposed. Uh, and then what I'm going to say is, like, I'm going to give you an open forum. I know we've talked a lot about stuff. But if there's anything you'd like to talk about, if there's any new things that are coming up that we haven't talked about, kind of this is your this is your place. This is your uh, you know, this is your forum now. I think the you know, we, we covered most of the stuff I have coming up. I mean, the Interstitial album will be out in the next month or two. It, it'll pretty much to the, at least right now, I'll be on Pax Eternum um, just for the digital stuff, just to get it out there. But 
we have a couple other releases coming up on that label. Uh, my friend Eric has a project called End You that is like like a heavier version of 90s amphetamine reptile noise rock. But wow. he played all the instruments himself. Like it's a solo project. It's like really incredible the amount of work that he put into it. Um, Ian from Collapse Culture uh, has a project called Interesting Times Gang that we're putting out one of those records soon. And that kind of sounds like like consolidated or tack head or okay. meat beat manifesto kind of like industrial funk dancey stuff really good um so you know not just my own things but other people kind of ryan from uh, arepo has a solo project that's just insane people are going to lose their minds when they hear this it sounds like it sounds like this heat on speed Oh wow! Or like this heat meets ruins or something like that. Just this insane, brutal prog record that does not make any sense, but it is incredible. And at some point, that's going to be done, and that's going to blow people's minds. But you know, try, trying to find other people in my orbit who are doing cool things and help them get their stuff out too has been been really gratifying. And we got a lot of that coming up. We're booked on our schedule probably into next year oh, for wow. releases. Very cool. Well, again, Graham, thank you so very much. Glad we could talk about Collapse Culture or Repo and some of the other projects that you're doing. Uh, I definitely will make sure people have links to everything to be able to, you know, uh, listen, purchase, support this this electronic underground scene, this punk rock scene, this noise scene, whatever you want to call it. Um, but again, man, like you need anything ever, please. Like that's what I'm here for. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and for covering these records. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Again, Cliff from the Doorway 2, hanging out with Graham. Uh, have a great night, man. Yep, you too.